You're listening to a podcast by New Heights Church. We hope you're encouraged to glorify, grow, and go. Howdy, New Heights. Thank you for tuning in tonight on Facebook Premiere. Uh, we're in a new sermon series in the book of 2 Timothy, and this series is a little bit different for us as we're going to be doing a mixture of sermons through the series and also conversations that are going to be happening online. And so thank you for tuning in for the very first one. We have with us tonight Miss Olivia Mead, who's going to be helping us kick off the series. And uh, so we're going to talk about um, just three verses at the beginning of 2 Timothy tonight and also talk a little bit of uh, New Heights history and uh, take a stroll down memory lane together. And so, Olivia, thanks for being with us tonight. Yeah. Um, we, we are looking at um, this Second Timothy um, passage, but before we, before we jump into this, I wanted to um, just maybe talk a little bit about your kind of history with New Heights and how, how you got started. So maybe just tell us that story. Yeah, so um, my first initial contact with New Heights Church was at Giovanni's Restaurant, Um. I came to a Bible study with my then uh, new boyfriend, Matt Mead, who's now my husband. Um, he So can was... we pause? Wait a minute. <laughs> we need to pause there. So Matt um, Matt was the very first baptism at New Heights. Yeah. Um, so very first convert in the ministry of New Heights. And then he gets this girlfriend. And right. It was a great year for Matt Mead. Yeah, he, he really was. <laughs> he, he, did, he had a great year in 2012. And... Um, were you in college at the time? Like yeah. You were a college student. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. I know. So, yeah. College student Olivia. All right. So, yeah. So, continue. and so I, you know, I knew the Lord. I grew up in church. I was a part, still part of the church that I had um, grown up in and like regularly attending there. But with, um, with Matt, he, you know, he was coming to this bi- then Bible study. Um, and before you launched at the pre K. Mm-hmm. So, initially, I would come to a few Bible study meetings with him, but wasn't wasn't plugged in necessarily um and then as the church was planted and began to grow and and then matt and i you know our relationship grew as well i ended up joining the church as well so that's been probably um since since my uh joining new heights nine years ago so it was still really early on for me too um which is probably pretty scary to leave like a solid established church to yeah, like yeah. you're you're engaged and you're yeah. joining this new like n- new church. Not sure if we're gonna make it or not. Like we're very much like touch and go at the time that right. you kind of committed. You know, when I look back on it now, and I think um, like if it were my <laughs> if I were if I were counseling my daughters, you know, I would be like, oh gosh, you yeah. know, y- you know, follow the Lord. Like that's fine, <laughs> but this is kind of sketchy. Like yeah. this is a little this is a little odd. So you know, I'm sure that like people in my life may have thought that as well, but. But um, I think it was just exciting enough and different enough in a good way for me um, that I was really interested. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, by God's grace, we we made it, or at least we've made it this far. <laughs> it could blow up next week, but we're still rolling you know, As right of today. Now. Yeah, and so um, we're definitely thankful for you and and your husband and your girls and just like. Uh, you know what you guys mean to the local church and um, vital part of the ministry here at, at New Heights, and um, so you you lead our women's Bible study. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have um, a women's Bible study. We spend um, a spring semester and a fall semester going through a certain book of the Bible, and we're really focused on on equipping and discipling the women in the way of learning about the Lord through Scripture. Um, it's been such a great a great year going through Philippians. We're going to be finishing up at the end of the year um, in Philippians 3 and 4. But 
seeing how, you know, women from all ages, all like spiritual maturity walks are learning about God together. We spend time in discussion, and then we're also walking through um, scripture verse by verse. So um, being part of that is such a joy for me to, to be able to not just teach the word, but um, be with our women and, and talk about it and learn about God together. So Yeah. And you just recently released a book. So I did. we're thankful for that too. Yeah. So how's that going? Yeah. Have good. you sold any? <laughs> I've sold a few. Okay. Um, no, I, it's been wonderful and I'm I'm really really thankful for the support of the church and the members here. Um, and then just outside of that, you know, seeing how far it's gone um, to different countries, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't know anyone in Canada, yeah. but someone from Canada bought my book. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's really cool to see how mm-hmm. the Lord has used that. Um, so, yeah. And you're hitting like a conference circuit coming up also. <laughs> so like actually right now we're in Baltimore. Well, not like right now, right now we're at our church filming this, yeah. but by the time this airs, we're in Baltimore. So at the time this is airing, you're speaking tomorrow um, at the conference in Baltimore. And then uh, you have a women's conference coming up too. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, early September 9th and 10th, we'll be doing a uh, women's conference in Lebanon, Virginia. So um, if anyone's watching and you're interested in coming to that, um, definitely look on our socials and find out some information. So, um, you know, it's really such a joy for me to be able to talk about God in the Bible with particularly women in the church. Um, for me, that's where I'm most comfortable and passionate, and um, it's it's really just just a joy to do. So, yeah. Well, we appreciate you, and um, so we're going to dive into Second Timothy chapter one, and we're just going to look tonight at verses five, six, and seven. So we're not dealing with a whole lot of text, and we won't take up your whole night, but we're going to spend some time devoting ourselves to the Word of God and um, and look at this. And so as we as at, just kind of as we're jumping in as an introduction, um, why do you why do you think a, a letter like Second Timothy is is important for our church, particularly as we celebrate a decade of ministry? Um, what do you think this this sermon series coming up can mean for our church? Yeah, well, in light of Second um, Timothy, you know, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is his final letter that we have recorded in Scripture before his death. Um, it's very personal in nature. He's still giving instruction, but he is um, like he has this finality type tone Mm -hmm. to everything that he's saying which is really somber um i think yeah it's clear that he knows his his death is coming very soon right and and so it's it's a it's just like exhortation from uh mentor to mentee to you know continue on with the with the work that he had taught him to do yeah and that's interesting that he you know as he's writing his final letter that's what he's chosen to do is to Mm -hmm. to not just give advice but really an exhortation and um in light of you know 10 years at our church and kind of what we're doing in this sermon series it's the perfect way to usher that in from others you know to get a little bit of that mentor mentee um Mm -hmm. type uh, relationship and knowledge so yeah, and I like uh, verse 5 particularly because he, he leads out the letter. I mean, we're at the beginning of the letter. He leads out by mentioning two women. and yeah. uh, So we're a complementarian church, so we, we only have male pastors, but we want to bring you in to help help exposit this and look at this because um, I think you really see the importance of the role of women um, and, and these two ladies that get mentioned. So let's read verse 5. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And so, um, yeah, Olivia, you wrote a little bit about this, this uh, mentioning of, of mm-hmm. Eunice and Lois in your book, but um, talk to us a little bit about what this, 
what this means and and really what we can glean and learn from this yeah so just initially it it wasn't super common for someone like Paul. Um, well, Paul does this in his writings, but just culturally for a man, a Jewish man, to, in his writing, mention women by name. And so that in, uh, in itself is important, that he is mentioning them both by name. So it shows a little more importance on what he's getting ready to say. Um, but as he's saying, you know, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He Paul is telling Timothy, you know, you, I, I see your genuine love in your faith, and he has this personal um, connection and relationship with him, but he attributes that back to his mother and his grandmother, to Lois and Eunice, which, um, you know, is interesting because Timothy on his own has quite you know, he's racked up quite a resume for himself in um, traveling with Paul and being on these missionary journeys, and um, he's now, you know, he will be the pastor at Ephesus. So um, for Timothy to be able to look back at his um, his heritage in the faith, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. I think Paul's placing an importance on that because Timothy is at a pivotal point, especially as Paul is about to be murdered. He's about to be martyred. Um, so Timothy, his number one mentor and his father in the faith is about to die. And so he must carry on. And I think Paul knows that um, that will be difficult for Timothy. And so reminding him that you have this heritage of faith from your mother, from your grandmother, but you also have a responsibility to carry on that heritage. So he's at a, this this pivotal point, and um, to see that his grandmother and mother um, played such a role in in you know raising him up in that way. I think um, later in the book, in chapter three. Paul mentions that they were they raised him to know the sacred writings. So mm-hmm. they raised him in a way that he. Scripture was ingrained in in part of his life, and when I hear that, I think like that's easy for us as mothers, fathers, those who are caring for children in particular, um, whether they're your children or not. It's it's easy for us to say, okay, let's sing this song together, mm-hmm. or let's read this scripture together, and those are wonderful things. But if our children aren't seeing us and and knowing that this is important to us and a priority to us if they don't see me reading my bible and know that i pray then it may not be as sincere for them as you know what is paul is referencing here so when i read of lois and eunice i see you know what they were great disciple makers but also they were just strong women of faith in the Lord, because for them to prioritize raising Timothy to know the Lord and walk in the way of the Lord, that tells me that it was a priority for them as well. And that's encouraging to me. That's also convicting to me to know that my primary responsibility as a disciple maker is to walk in the way of the Lord before I try to teach others to do the same. Mm -hmm. What's always striking to me about this mentioning of Lois and Eunice is that um, we tend to we tend to measure um, ministry success by numbers, and so like the the most to us like the most successful minister is the person that has the most followers. You know, mm-hmm. like they have the the biggest Twitter account, or you know they they have the most popular books or whatever, and that's that's who like celebrity pastors are, and that's who are the most successful ministers. But here um, you see Paul really attributing the value of ministry to. Not not Timothy, who who probably had a lot of followers, but the the people that invested in him, um, kind of acknowledging that, that Timothy wouldn't be walking with the Lord if it weren't for for that investment. And so, I, I love that because it shows us that 
um, all of us really need to to lean deep into um, a few good relationships rather than trying to you know overextend ourselves you know more than we're capable of but lean into uh, a handful of really good deep discipleship relationships and and the dividends of that are even actually more than if we spread ourselves thin so it's a yeah. good truth yeah I think with with Lois and Eunice too you know as they're raising Timothy, um, the hard days, the good days, the very ordinary days, they're not doing anything extraordinary necessarily. As day in and day out, they're caring for Timothy. They're teaching him, the, as Scripture says, the sacred writings. That's how Paul puts it. So talking about God, talking about Scripture, um, handing down these truths to him in a way that will be beneficial to him. They're doing these things because it's important to them, and it's commanded of them as followers of Jesus to hand this down to those in their care. And so they're not caring for Timothy, thinking, you know what, maybe our names are going to be in scripture one day right <laughs> like maybe we will be recognized for this one day they're not doing it for that reason because they don't know that that's going to happen right. you know yeah. that's not even on their radar but for them to just you know be faithful in the ordinary days mm-hmm. of raising timothy and caring for him in a way that that matters you know it doesn't matter because timothy became this you know great bible character person that we read about it matters because he's a person an image bearer he was their child and so they were called and and formed to care for him yeah and and you see growth i mean intrinsically in lois and eunice too because presumably they're they're older women i know timothy's younger he's a younger pastor but um especially you know a grandmother is, is going to go back um, just by the, the history and the timeline um, during to the time of Jesus, like before the resurrection. And so mm-hmm. presumably even in, in the early days, the scriptures are primarily referring to the Old Testament scriptures, you know, as the New Testament is being written. Mm-hmm. And so they're in, they, they lived in this like transitional time um, where – where they were maybe even a little bit unsure of what God's mystery was, and as God was revealing that His plan was to graft in Gentiles, um, and and His plan was, you know, to to bring in this this grace and this resurrection and and all these things, and so like even as they're teaching, um, they had to be taught as well. They had mm-hmm. to like learn and they had to adapt and grow along with their with their son. And so um, I think that's a beautiful reminder for parents too. That's like, okay, I'm I'm. I have to be a discipler, but I don't have to know it all, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I think sometimes we we're like maybe terrified or frozen or paralyzed in fear because what if what if the person I'm discipling asks a question I can't answer? Mm-hmm. What's well, like you, you think Lois and Eunice didn't have some questions about the resurrection? Like I'm, yeah. I'm sure that was that was it tripped them up a little bit the, the mysteries of of God's gospel, and so you know they they evidently. Uh, dealt with that in grace and and grew in their knowledge and and kind of grew along with Timothy. So I always thought that was interesting too. So. Yeah. Um. So let's look at at verse six. Uh, verse six um, continues. He says, "For this reason, um, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, uh, which is in you through the laying on of my hands." And so this is an interesting verse. And so he he establishes the the root of, of Timothy's faith in um, in his upbringing in a godly home with with these two women particularly. Um, But then he says, fan into flame the gift of God. So we don't know exactly what the gift of God is, um, and we don't know exactly what what Paul's talking about when he says the laying on of hands. And so I was wanting to just ask you, because 
you, I'm sure you have the answers to this. What's uh, what's Paul talking about here? <laughs> so um, I tend to think that he's he's referring to um, Timothy's ordination or call you know call to be a pastor. And so Paul he kind of mentions this in a couple other places um, that on the laying on of hands of you, so commissioning him um, to serve in a pastoral way. So the, the, the word ordination is not in the Bible. That's a yeah. very common word for us. Yeah. Like 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 I, there was a time where I was ordained into gospel ministry, but that word's not in the Bible. Uh, but what is multiple times is laying on of hands, mm-hmm. and so um, this is kind of like ceremonial, you know, setting apart for. Yeah, for I a think task. in context of how this, where this occurs here, and in the way that Paul is writing to Timothy in in this letter, it makes most sense that that would that would be what he's referring to. Yeah, um, and so what do you think about Paul saying "fan into flame this gift"? Um, what what are your thoughts on when when he says that to Timothy? Um, any any thoughts on what he's referring to, or maybe maybe how even we can do that? Is that applicable to to ordinary people? You know. Yeah, I think so. Non ordained people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so because for one, I kind of like here that the verse is a bit obscure about the gift of God. Mm-hmm. I like that it's it's not really specific as you know saying that it's um, as an elder, as right. a pastor, as your your specific gift in this. Um, I like that, and I see some purpose in that because it, that means that it's applicable for everyone mm-hmm. because we all serve in a in a way with our gifts in a way yeah. um, that is different and necessary. And I think that we can gather from this that fanning into that, so the flame of that being not something that is of me necessarily, mm-hmm. that my gifting or um, the way that I serve is not of me, but there is a way that I can encourage that and to do that for the glory of God. And so um, in walking in those things and whatever your your gift may be, and I think that that's a whole other <laughs> conversation because it's such a, bu- a buzzword. I think we've word. done a couple of podcasts um, on that, yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to, you know, have this like, um, like I'm a great communicator, so I'm going to be a Bible teacher or a pastor, or mm-hmm. I'm great with kids, so I'm going to serve in kids ministry. Well, that's not necessarily what I think we're talking about here. We're talking about like how how can you serve and where where are you serving? Like what's your ability? Right. Maybe your gift is that you're caring for your kids at home right now. Right. And so how do you fan into that flame? Um, I think by doing so and knowing that you are serving and doing it for the glory of God. So how can you orient yourself or maybe reorient yourself mm-hmm. um, towards the things of the Lord, towards working um, for his kingdom and not our own? Yeah. Um, I got to give some props to my wife um, because she's a she's a good firetress is what I call her. She's good at building, building fires, <laughs> building campfires. And um, I always manage to, like, build them in a way that they get put out pretty easily. Um I was a I was a Cub Scout. I never made it to Boy Scout, so mm. I, I was a Cub Scout, so never learned my fire skills that well. But Amanda's really good at like cribbing up the fire t- in a way that the oxygen and and the right amount of air can get into the fire, but not too much. And I, that's kind of the the image that Paul's building for us here when he says fan into flame. So a spiritual gift is something that that we're given uh, by the Spirit. I mean that's the that's the essence of what it is, and so it's 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 a giftedness that's that's placed in us. 
aside from our own abilities. And so it's this, um, it's this spark, if you will, or if it's this small flame, if you will, that's, that's kind of placed in us. And then when we're told to fan it into flame, um, I think Paul's really referring to um, allowing the Spirit of God to kind of add wind that, that'll build that, stoke up that fire, if you will. And um, the Spirit of God's also, also often referred to as wind or breath. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that, that wind on a, on a flame is going to stoke it up and make it bigger. And so he's encouraging Timothy really to um, take, take the gifts that's been given and not, not quench the spirit as mm-hmm. he, as he walks in those things um, and, and really minister in a way that's spirit led. And so, um, and that's one of the things I love about our church is that we, we really strive to be led by the Holy spirit. We don't want to be so stoic and, and hardened that we ignore that there's some supernatural things that are going on in our own souls. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I love that Paul brings that out to Timothy as a reminder. Um, last verse we're going to look at is verse seven. Um, and he says, for God gave us, a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Um, I want to speak just a minute about fear because uh, there, that's a common emotion we see in the Bible. Anytime that we see um, people coming face-to-face with God, they're fearful. Angels, they're fearful. Um, a lot of times you see uh, the Lord's response to them is do not be afraid or do not fear. Um, but fear is a natural emotion that comes um, when we're faced with things and it's a it's an emotion that's created by God for our good so like if you know if you run into a bear in the woods you should be afraid that's a that's a natural fear and, and you kick into what psychologists call that fight or flight mode um, and that's the way our brains are designed but here uh, Paul's exhorting Timothy um, and he's he's exhorting him to exercise his giftedness, whatever that may have been in his spiritual giftedness. But he, he says that he reminds him that God did not give us a spirit of fear. And, and I think what that means is that, that as Christians, generally speaking, not that we'll, we'll never be afraid, but generally speaking, we're supposed to go into the world with boldness, with with this um, with this confidence, with this courage, and and we ought to have this um, assurance in the gospel and in what Jesus has accomplished in our lives and what He's accomplishing in the whole world that that nothing can ultimately harm us eternally. Um, that that we know that the world may may take everything that we own, may take our own lives, but um, but ultimately we're secure in Christ, and that's a great gospel confidence that that. Um, that Paul's reminding Timothy, and it's and it's sobering because Paul's writing this as he's getting ready to die, and he knows his death is is close, and so he's able to say, um, "Timothy, don't be afraid." And I think intrinsically indicating that that Paul wasn't fearful, even though his life was going to be taken, he wasn't ultimately fearful because he knew that that Jesus was a conquering Savior and that he was secure in his his king. And so, um, and so he says, instead of instead of fear, he says, have power and love and self-control. And Olivia, I wanted to ask you why, why you think he mentions those three specific things or why those are so mm-hmm. important in a legacy-type setting as in this letter. Yeah, I think, well, power in particular, you know, for him to mention that first and directly after fear, that provides us a direct uh, contrast to fear or to this idea of being fearful. Um, 
you know, to have to be fearful of something means that it if I'm afraid of something, then that means that it has a bit of power over me. You know, I I'm afraid of heights, so I don't like to be up high. Um, I a couple years ago was at the top of a uh, lighthouse and nearly had a panic attack um, because I, I that had power over me because um, I was afraid of falling. And so the the power aspect for him to kind of contrast that to say, no, not, you know, you don't have the spirit of fear, but you have the spirit of power means that we not only have boldness, but that nothing is going to overpower us in the end. So you saying, you know, like even Paul, he, he was not afraid. His life was in danger and he knew it was coming to an end, but his fear was not placed in that. His fear remained rightly in, um, you know, fear of the Lord, which meant that he trusted in the Lord. And so that power aspect and then leading into love and self-control when I read of those things particularly self-control I think of restraint and in restraint I think there's a lot of wisdom so in um you know, often we actually just uh, just had this conversation in our small group about wisdom and humility and like, what are marks of that? And for me, most often in my life, and for those who are in my life that I would attribute wisdom to, um, I see a lot of restraint, you know, if there's a fight that you can walk away from, then that's probably the wise thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or um, if there's a way that I can maybe not speak on this, um, and reserve what I want to say and allow others to say something or um, to hold something back, that's probably wise. And so um, walking in love and some self-restraint and a little bit of dying to yourself in a way is very wise. And I think in terms of legacy and this heritage of faith that, you know, we talk about with Lois and Eunice and what we're exploring this month with our church is... um, you know, I think that we've gleaned a lot of wisdom in the last 10 years. Um, I'm sure you have as a leader, as a pastor. Um, Even just I, that self-control piece. Yeah. Like, um, you know, you mentioned there are fights you should just hold your peace and walk away from. I'm reading a book right now um, called Pastors and Their Critics. Mm. Um, and Pastor Jeremy bought it for me, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I, it's like this subtle thing. He, you know, he wants me to read this. Here, so, read this. Yeah, so my pastor buys it for me, so I'm going to read it. And and. You know, a lot of the book is about how Jesus like held his peace so often and, yeah. and didn't speak when he was attacked a lo- you know, on a lot of occasions. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think definitely the wisdom I've gleaned. Like ten years ago, I was like, I was fighting every fight, right? And, yeah. Um, I, I'm not. I'm still. I still fight some <laughs> fights. Like, don't get me wrong. But I, I think, um, I think I'm much more willing now that I'm a decade older mm-hmm. to, um, say, hey, that's not a hill worth dying on. You yeah, know, and have and some self control. I think that. There's power in that. You know, there's a lot of um, courage in that, that it's not about being the loudest or the one who wins or the, you know, the one who has the last word. But but in wisdom, you know, we can we can really walk in that and find the love and the self-restraint and really walk in the spirit. And I think that that's what we see in these verses of what Paul's encouraging Timothy to do, what what Timothy saw his mother and grandmother exhibit in his home growing up. That's so important that he he saw that and really a gift for him that, that he had that. Um, and so for Paul to remind Timothy, don't forget that, but also know that you have to carry that on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, and kind of in, in conclusion and in closing, um, what are, what are some practical ways that, that we can, we can live lives like Lois and Eunice, um, in, in a way that, that we have a legacy that lives beyond us? What are some just practical ways we can do that? Mm-hmm. I would say first pray for mm-hmm. that. 
um, for me, praying for for my children in particular. So I have two young kids. Um, when I'm praying for them, I often found myself praying for their well-being, um, for them to be happy, uh, for them to make friends, for all of these things that are good and well. But I became convicted because I realized I was not, as often as I was praying for them, I wasn't praying for their salvation, mm. for that legacy and that heritage to really fall, follow through for them. <clears throat> you know, it seems almost like, of course we want our kids to know the Lord. Right. Why? That's why we bring them to church. That's why I sing these silly songs with them and do all these things, but to specifically pray for, for my kids to know the Lord, um, to, to have a saving faith, to have repentant hearts, that has become really important to me to pray that very regularly over my children. Um, and then also pray for their well-being, but in mm-hmm. just just talking to the Lord for those in my care, um, for me, has been a huge part of growth. Um, so I think praying. So so praying for those in your care, praying as I'm sure Lois and Eunice did, and then also mm-hmm. just practically walking in obedience to love those around you. So like, I'm not reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to my kids all day, every day, because that's not practical. Um, but we will do little things like throughout our day that encourage this interest in who mm-hmm. God is. Um, and, you know, I can I can only speak for like, I only have young kids. I don't know what it's like to have teenagers. It's a nightmare. <laughs> It's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, so that's a whole other, you know, talk to me in another 10 years, and I'm probably going to be a lot more cynical. Yeah. Um, just kidding, but for real. No, you um, will be. I think, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, caring faithfully for those who are placed around us, whether it's your kids, whether it's, you know, you're a pastor and it's your congregation, whether it's coworkers and friends, whatever that looks like, for those who are in your path and really in your care, how are you stewarding that well? So how are you, the buzzword is discipling them, but how are you loving them? How are you serving them? How are you ensuring that your faith, so my sincere faith that is from the Lord, how does that transfer to my kids? Well, I pray that it transfers to them, and then I also make sure they see it. And they see it practically. Like just this morning, a friend um, was like, I was putting my kids in the car and he was passing by and he rolled his window down and said, hey, I prayed for you this morning. And my three-year-old said, why did he pray for you? And I said, well, because he's my friend. And yeah. he that's what we do. Friends pray for each other. It's so simple. But the proximity that people are in, you mm-hmm. know, to hear those things, our children or others, whoever it may be, um, that's really important. And it, it really means something. And I think that Timothy had that. Not everyone has that. You yeah, know, we're not right. naive to think that everyone has an upbringing or um, has people in their lives who've encouraged that. But as the church and as a family of God, we do have that with one another. Mm-hmm. So whether it's in your home growing up or not, um, we're able to have it in our home here, right. um, which is encouraging and to know that you're not alone in raising your kids. Right. You're not alone in, um, you know, whatever your job may be, you're not alone in, in any of those things because we come together and carry, carry this heritage now. All right. That's good. Well, thank you for your advice, Olivia. Thanks for um, for doing this first uh, conversation with us in Second Timothy. We appreciate your time and um, sharing wisdom with us, and um, we appreciate all the practical advice you can give to our church and the leadership you provide in our church. So we're thankful for you. Um, church, uh, for the remainder of this month and even a little bit into September, we're going to be focusing on finishing this letter um, of Second Timothy, and we have five pastors that are going to be preaching on Sunday mornings, and we have three pastors 
professors that are going to be doing um, uh, online conversations similar to this one. And so we hope that you'll prioritize the times and uh, that you'll be at the services and um, really just uh, as a church kind of come together and worship Jesus and, and thank him for his faithfulness over the past decade, and also just look for opportunities for him to to work in us to, to kind of fan into flame a gift that that would carry us on for the next decade to reach more people, to disciple more people, to see an even bigger regional impact. And so uh, we're so thankful that you're a part of New Heights, and uh, we look forward to celebrating 10 years of ministry together this month, and we hope we'll see you this month. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about New Heights Church or a relationship with Christ, please visit our website at www.newheightswv.com.